Uh, is this a baseball movie? Let's say yes so Joe gets mad. I am your co-host Rob, and joined as always my good friends Joe and Duff. Hi. How's it going? Let's get married. Uh, <laughs> we are on our third season uh, of a free podcast. In this season, we are looking at the summer of 1997. It's it's June 20th, 1997. Okay. All right. I was this movie then. first day of summer, official summer. Mm, this movie Maybe. comes out. <laughs> I think the, it's the 21st, uh, isn't it? The, it varies by year. It's always like the 20th or the 21st. Depends on the sun god. <laughs> uh, that, you guys won't know what the top song was in uh, when this movie came out? Uh, well, wasn't it last for Connor? It was Mbop. I'm guessing yep. Macarena again. <laughs> Macarena was <laughs> before this, I think. That was like 1995. Uh, 24 years ago. Um, I'll be missing you by Puff Daddy and Faith Evans. Okay. Uh, uh, this is a big year for Puff Daddy. Can I share a hot take? Yeah. That song is dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't. That's fine. That's Did you know that it's about um, it's about Notorious B.I.G. Hmm. Oh, never mind. It's good then. Because <laughs> he died. Allegedly. Puff this, Daddy this... doesn't really bring it up very often, but um, that's why you probably didn't know that that's what that song was about. <laughs> I also, you know, Joe, you wonder why we do this movie. That's a, that's a yeah. When was the last have. time you saw it before you, like, before you never. picked it? So you you, never. you, pick, you picked a movie you'd never seen. Yeah. Do you know why? Yeah, I have a feeling you're about why? to tell me. Why, Rob? <laughs> because Duff and I have a best friend's wedding coming up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys going to uh, behave like total sociopaths in the days leading up to it to try to destroy me? <laughs> God. Duff, you had seen it. No, I hadn't. This was. I thought one of you said last week that you had seen <laughs> nope. this movie before. Nope. This was a. Uh, uh, Rob just got it in his craw. It was a huge movie. It was the uh, one of the biggest movies that summer, and I feel like as we had to choose something else besides just action fair, so I decided to go with a romantic comedy. This was the movie that if you had a girlfriend, you went to go see after. The bad experience the girlfriend had at Con Air. Yep, and I I didn't have to do that. I'm gonna just speak in <laughs> sexist tropes because of this movie. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> okay, go, go well, ahead. Okay, for anyone who, listening who hasn't seen this movie, I'm gonna give a plot synopsis about what occurred. The only other thing I'll say is that I think I mentioned that up until like a week ago, I thought Richard Gere was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so this movie stars Julia Roberts, and she plays Julianne, who, when she was 18, she made a marriage pact with her best friend, Michael, that they would marry each other if they weren't married by the age of 28. At the withered old crone age of 28. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean... <sighs> Go ahead. Now, she's 27. She finds out that Michael is engaged to Kimmy. 28. No, she's 27. She's her birthday's com- coming yeah, up. Okay, so... Yep. So she turns 28 at the last at the end of this movie. Then, the wedding day is on her birthday. 
I don't remember that. Because it says on the on, online like it, that that he does this four four days prior to their pact being like exercised oh. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So um, he selfishly schedules his wedding day for her birthday. It's also interesting that you wouldn't tell your best friend about the wedding <laughs> until four days beforehand. Well, he had tried to contact her though. That's true. Which she didn't answer. Which an, another classic for best like a move. month. He had been trying to get in touch with her. <laughs> And she didn't answer. Classic best friends, huh, guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great way to start your movie is by establishing that um, <laughs> this person had lost touch with her, him and did not really seem to care a whole lot about it. And then until, all of a sudden, until she deeply does. Yeah. And then the, definitely psychologically healthy and normal reaction that, that she takes. She and lives she, the super busy life of food critic. Yep, food critic. She travels to Chicago the week of the wedding with plans. I mean, at, like from the beginning, absolute plans on breaking up the marriage. Yep. Uh, she meets Kimmy, the bride to be, and is immediately <laughs> invited to be the maid of honor. Yep, of course, as you do, uh, as you do. Duff, I like how you uh, often bring up movies that just get a lot of stuff out of the way right away. <laughs> this, this was movie. a little too much. Uh, this. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the the explanation for it is great too. Um, my old maid of honor broke her pelvis, so she can't do it. <laughs> Listen, I'm so all in. You can't in get for in a wheelchair. You can't have a wheelchair at a wedding. <laughs> I'm all in. Our venue on the is not base. ADA compliant, so. Uh, <laughs> See, did the I, ADA even exist yet? Uh, yes. Yeah, when I'm all in passed? on the bridesmaids in this movie. I'm all in on it. So I, I just want to say, I want to clarify my stance. I'm in favor of uh, brisk plot pacing when it's some. The, you know, okay. out of the world, or just look, it's not going to make sense. So, here, just here it is, just deal with it, like in Con Air. Yeah. Whereas this is a pretty realistic situation. Yeah. And we don't really have, there's not really any time to meet characters. It's just instant plot move movement. Just, and, yeah. and her being a maid of honor is entirely irrelevant to the conflict in this film. Like, she could have just been a person that was going. She doesn't need to be the maid of honor. Doesn't add anything to it. Uh, it yeah. gives her. It gives her one-on-one time, I guess, with Kimmy. But you're you're right. Um, so after some failed sabotage attempts, she asks her friend George to help. You should mention who plays the uh, bride to be. Yeah, bride to be is played by Cameron Diaz, which I think we're gonna get to. But I think is absolutely fantastic in this movie. Yeah, she's good. Although she's supposed to be like twenty years old. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. So she, uh, Julianne asks her friend George to help, and he just tells her, you know, just tell him the truth. Um, and uh, he comes into town, and Julianne goes to tell Michael her true feelings, but the last second she backs out and instead tells Michael that she's engaged to George. Who is gay. Which is, yep, important plot point for this. And then we have a delightful sing-along restaurant sequence. George returns home. Julianne admits to Michael that she had made up George's engagement. Um, you missed one of her first. That's not even her first scheme, though. Yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of schemes. But that the scheme is old has the ultimate payoff, though. So you should mention it. Like so, the, she he the, okay. And he is a sp- sports writer. Scheme? No, he d- oh. she did the job thing before the yeah bringing that true. guy in. That scheme resulted in a very uncomfortable scene that I didn't really care for, where he stands up and like pretty much yells at his bride to be in the middle of a restaurant yep totally and, normal behavior and i so my 
my biggest thing about this movie is at no point do I know who I'm supposed to be rooting for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's confusing. Uh let's 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 get to that when I finish this. It's very um, clear who you're supposed to be rooting. <laughs> it, it, oh god, I'm just going to mute. Go ahead. Um so then Julianne continues to do terrible things to sabotage the wedding and finally pulls it off until ultimately she doesn't. She finally tells Michael the truth. They kiss. Kimmy sees it, and a chase sequence occurs. Uh, the wedding night ultimately ends with Michael and Kimmy getting married, and Julianne apologizing to both of them. And the finale of the film is Julianne is alone at the wedding until her good friend George surprises her and comes back, and they dance. The end. Now, there's a lot going on in this, and I, I, I feel like uh, I'm not, you know... I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I think I can suss out that Joe, you are not a fan of this movie. I'm, I, if there's no what. What's the point of it? Nothing changes. It's not um, funny. Oh, it's not romantic. It's, there's some funny parts. Name one. I think uh, when the bridesmaid gets her tongue stuck on uh, oh the God. ice sculpture of David <laughs> Venus, <laughs> but it tonally doesn't make any sense. Totally is. Go well, what, one thing I want that it do you think that that was the the Zucker producers contribution to this movie? Like that stood out right away for me is that I think I'll he's invest, one of the, but I want her tongue to get stuck to an ice dick. <laughs> yeah. Like how many like do you think that that was his one concession? Um, in case anyone is, is wondering what we're talking about, uh, I believe it's Jerry Zucker. Uh, one of the the Zucker brothers is a producer uh, best known for. Own. Uh, best known for things like airplane, hot shots, yep. um, a lot of very broad humor. <laughs> yep. So I, I, I feel like that was like the last day of shooting. He's like, "All right, we've been we've been shooting down your terrible gags all <laughs> all production cycle. We'll give you this one." <laughs> uh, well, okay. I also think like uh, overall, I'm actually positive on this movie. I can't uh, believe that. Because I feel like there's some standout moments that really work. Oh, my. Uh, what? I, I'm I genuinely shocked. I'm, I, I assumed as soon as we, we logged on, you would just be like, guys, I'm really sorry that I suggested this movie. It was It's really bad and really boring. Like, I, at no point did I think there's any possible chance either one of you would like a single second of this movie. They go... Joe, they go to a seafood restaurant called Barry the Kudas. So right yeah, there, I'm I knew sold. you were going to like that. <laughs> oh, God. And I think that whole sequence, the whole sing-along is awesome. A+. plus. What? The sing-along sequence uh, I know. The, you don't need restaurant. to describe it. I, I just can't believe that oh. you like it. I cannot believe it. I, I think that you just feel like one of us has to like it, so you're just pretending to. No. I, I, I have a lot of issues with this movie, but by the end of it, I kind of respected it more than I disliked it, and I had a couple moments that will stick with me. Uh, and for like a broad like you know rom com, I think that's that's kind of all you really ask for. I had a good time. It is neither th- comedic nor romantic. I think it's extremely dated. Uh, I didn't out and out hate it. I'm never gonna watch this again. I think so much of it does not work. I think there are there are like scenes here and there that I laughed at or thought were good. Um. Uh, I'm more just mystified at what it thinks it's doing or again like I'm not even sure 
at any given time, I'm honestly not sure. Like, am I supposed to be against Kimmy? Am I supposed to be for Kimmy? And part of it is, I th- I think for me is this this Dermot guy. Not a fan of this yeah, dude. Yeah, name a one okay. uh, one personality trait of the male lead who we we have to spend more than half of the movie with. So yeah. I I 100% agree with you on this. Dylan McDermott, outside of looking good, Dylan McDermott. Is- or whatever. Who is it? Dermot. So at, I'm not. I'm not going to rag on you too hard because no, I'm not Dermot either. It's just so, whatever, I just want to know where it came from. <laughs> so I write that down. The notes wrong. So it's Dermot Mulroney. Whatever that dude. <laughs> that dude's okay. not Dermot. good. Where did you come up? <laughs> isn't that, I don't know. Isn't that a famous person? Yeah, I think that is. It, it's, <laughs> that's a person. Yeah, that's an actor. That's the other guys that people always refuse. There's uh, Dylan McDermott. <laughs> And Dermot Dylan. Mulroney, and they both sound like spy names a child made up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, it is a person. Uh, yeah, and they're both. Within, oh, like, he's two the guy from. Each other. Um, he's like mostly on TV and stuff. Though. They're they're both bland white guys who are briefly really popular in rom coms and such. Both okay. in their mid fifties. They just like John Candy, John bit. Goodman. Who can tell? I. God. So like at one point last night I'm like, wait, is who's this? This Dermot McDillon Dermine or something? <laughs> well, when I was talking uh, to my wife about this, I referred to the George character as being played by Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he definitely could have helped solve this problem. Uh, well, okay, so uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to go in here, and I I think. Uh, Duff, you you made it. You made comment about like uh, uh, Zucker Brothers, like kind of putting this in here, and this movie is absolutely an example of a movie that was saved by test uh, test audiences because they made some pretty big changes throughout this movie, and every change they made towards the end was uh, really really important. So it could have been even worse. Oh yeah, for sure. So what was the original ending? The original ending is uh, is is Julianne is hanging out and she's at the wedding and she's sitting there by herself and, and then she murders good- Kimmy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be okay. Way speaking of murdering Kimmy, don't you think it's a bit of a own that she's like, "Here's my song. Here's our song. I'll have them play that at your wedding." Yes, that she- seems like an own. I end. absolutely guarantee she thought, "All right, it's my last chance." <laughs> Yeah, that's that's something a narcissist sociopath does. Yeah, yeah, which she absolutely is. She's uh, a wretched human being. <laughs> yeah, but what's what makes it kind of interesting is it's played by Julie Roberts, which like has enough gravitas to make you be like, maybe she's not. Oh no, she is. And then you'll be like, oh nope, nope, she's awful. What's the Anne Hathaway wedding movie that Jonathan Demme did? Uh, Brokeback Mountain. <sighs> no. That was. Is it Marco at the wedding? Someone no, at, the the Marco at the that wedding. That was the other one. That was that Noah Bomb, really bad Noah Bombback movie. Um, that was the. Uh, I think you're thinking of the one where isn't Nicole Kidman engaged to Jack Black in that movie? Yeah, that one. Rachel getting married is what I'm thinking about. And that. So Rachel getting married. Have you guys seen that? Uh, it's yes. been a long time, but I know I've seen. Yeah, that. but that's yeah. you know like that movie is basically about a, a narcissist who is going to at her sister's wedding, right? And she just so. spends the entire film just trying to make everything about her. And um, it, that one, and it's pretty awkward, and it's kind of dark. 
but it's a really good movie. I or at least I really liked it the one time I saw it. But I remember it being really good. Yeah, but like this movie is is kind of a similar concept, but it's trying to be like a summer like like you said a romantic comedy. But which it totally succeeds at being. I I don't understand. I really I don't mean, get it. It's not funny and it's not romantic. Again, but I, I mean, understand. most people would disagree with you. I mean, I I I, 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 I get your opinion. But I'm saying that this well, movie geez, was saying, like, well, like saying, uh, saying that it, like it made a lot of money doesn't mean that most people that saw it actually liked it. Like, I mean, I, this movie's well. I mean, I think this. I don't. A lot of I don't really, really feel like this. Like this I don't think this is still in the zeitgeist, Rob. I never. Well, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. But that's, if people, that's a different but if people comment. like stuff, it's still in the zeitgeist. Yeah. No, no. Just because it still has like cultural. I mean, anyone who enjoys um, romantic comedies. And would list like their favorite ones or or the top ones. My best friend's wedding is probably on there. No way. I would argue. I have nothing against romantic comedies. I like something like many of them. This one's bad. I've never heard anyone say that. I've never heard anyone even reference this movie. I know. Really? Was, I. Well, for one thing, like I'm just. So is it, even, years, is like, it even like a top like ten most mentioned Julia Roberts movie at this point? Well, IMDb. Oh, for sure. I, IMDb thinks it's one of her. Most notable roles. Well, it's probably that uses an algorithm to do that. So I guess my frame of reference is um, this saved her career in some ways. Flash forward five years, like you have Love Actually, which is still talked about all the all the friggin' time. But that movie's more talked about in a way that gets dunked on. Like that movie's aged worse than this. Uh, I I think that there's a. Isn't there like people having sex with the people who like work underneath them in that movie? Wait, is that like a big plot point? Just, isn't, to, just like isn't shh, shh. just to explain what you think happens in Love Actually. This is going to be good content. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a long time, but I'm Please. pretty sure there's some stuff like where like a boss pines after like a worker he works that works underneath them that he ends oh, up with at the end. And I stuff thought like you were that. talking about like miners or something. No, no, I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff in Love Actually that I think. Oh, you it's know, it's it's a trash movie. Uh, yeah, but it's well but it's, at all. But it's it's on all yeah. the time around the holidays, and it's yeah. people talk about it, and people like it. I mean, um, they're also, wrong. I've never seen it, but so, but from the Julia Roberts standpoint, like this movie, in a lot of ways, I mean, helped her career immensely because sure, she was on. It was going real bad for a while. She, obviously, Pretty Woman happened in 1990. That clearly, that movie did well. Um, and then you had like Pelican Brief, and then since then, from like '93 until this movie, she was in um, I Love Trouble, Ready to Wear, Something to Talk About, Mary Riley, Michael Collins, Everyone Says I Love You. None of those; those were all those were all were commercial failures and critical yeah. failures. I think Everyone Says I Love You has kind of a critical cult following, but yes, for for overall, I agree. So she got um, she got back to her bread and butter. You know, this movie's, you know, I, this for sure is like a top 3 Julia Roberts movie. Um maybe. Uh, um, I, no. I mean, like it's no the, the most no Mexican. Faint. Well, obviously Aaron Brockovich and <laughs> Aaron Brockovich, Pretty it. Woman, uh Mystic Pizza. Yeah. No way is Mystic Pizza. People like know. Mystic Pizza and talk about it. People no like this, this movie. I, I hear Miss. I hear Mystic anymore. Pizza brought up way more often than this. Okay. I mean, I can't prove or disprove any of this stuff outside of IMDb's algorithms. Is you're wrong. <laughs> so back to what I originally was trying to say, which is about what changes they made. So originally, the ending has her. 
uh, at the wedding. She's by herself. And then some other guy that we've never met, some good-looking guy, probably Dylan McDermott, <laughs> uh, shows up, and she dances with him. And you're like, oh, my God, maybe she'll end up with him. And test audiences absolutely hated it because, and for good reason, they didn't want that victory for her. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, like, she's, she's awful. And um, She even makes a joke in her speech about trying to ruin their wedding. <laughs> yeah. people laugh. Well, because I think most of them don't know it, right? Like, who? I was thinking about that when she says that. Who knows that she's doing this? Not really anyone outside uh, of the, the main couple leads. who are <laughs> supposed to be celebrating their day. Well, yeah, ev- everyone knows it now. But like, even when they were gone, they're just like, "Oh, I don't know." <laughs> they ran off to do, you know, like no one even like cares that like there's, the bride's a, missing. There's a lot of schedule from the standpoint of just a guest. There's a lot of weird scheduling logistics. How many times was the wedding canceled and then on again? Yeah, but not publicly. I don't think it was ever canceled, because uh, because Kimmy says she didn't want to, or he he shows up at the wedding and she didn't want to tell anyone it was canceled, and then that's when she gets involved and ends up going off anyways. So from a guest perspective, everything just works out fine, I guess. The only reason that it goes off is because the two uh, uh, bride and, the bride and groom to be are are so afraid of conflict that they're unwilling to tell people that the wedding's not going to happen. That's because everyone in this movie outside of George is a loser. Uh, I mean, yeah. especially Michael. Michael is 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 just is just a worthless character. I he's just a moron. I don't know why I don't know why one nonetheless two different women fell in love with him. Uh, this movie's also guilty of like we keep being, we keep hearing that they're best friends, but like <laughs> they have absolutely they no chemistry whatsoever. Yeah, or, or even like any scenes that you're like, oh, they clearly they they go way back outside of a little bit at the karaoke bar. Derbert, whatever his name is, has no. <laughs> I mean, K- has, Kermit Miller. <laughs> yeah, he has no chemistry with either of the potential love interests. He just comes off. He is. His two moods in this movie are boring or mean. <laughs> and he just switches between the two of them. Why do you like this moment. movie then? Because I don't I understand. Re- because I really like everything of George in it. And I think Cameron Diaz <laughs> is awesome in this movie and very funny. And uh, there's some sequences. Like, I don't love this movie, but overall, you know, it was fine. It had, you know, it's a baseball movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't have... I don't understand. Vitrolic hatred for it, but I'm just, it's... Also... I I think there's not... I think there's some interesting things, but I think they were purely by accident. Well, so that's that's kind of what I want. So she's supposed to meet... So she meets a dream dude out of nowhere at the end and gets... What what else was changed? Oh, so then obviously that, like, the scene of George at the end doesn't exist, which I actually really, really like that scene of George at the end. Um, Why is he friends with her? I don't know. I mean, that's friends. I like. I, listen, no, you know, don't take this personally, guys. But I'm friends <laughs> with people who are, uh, you know, not the easiest people in the world. <laughs> he and so goes there and he talks her into ta- into telling him the truth. And it said, while he's standing on the opposite side of a store, she tells <laughs> Kermit that uh, that they that they're getting married, and he does that to him and puts him in that position. But then he he totally owns her by like making up that big story with all, with I, all the I, like gay icons in it. I do I do <laughs> like uh, I like George's uh, antics when. Oh, it's so funny. Although, except everyone else is very very dumb and doesn't catch on that. No, 
No, I yeah, I it's it's I actually was trying to find like a transcript of that whole like how they met story because it's full of so many like very funny jokes inside of it. Was there an ending where um, Emmett Walsh kills people? Yeah, how did they, they get the guy from Blood Simple to be in this movie and all he does is just eat things off of other people's plates. Well, to be Why fair, he... he's in a lot of movies. I'm sure yeah, he, I know, I know. he just it's needs just a weird. check. So they added, so um, George, uh, not only did they add, um, change the ending, which is pretty big, but they even add like when she's in the bread truck, which is funny. Okay. I think that's funny. She's in her bread truck. Um, Why? Why? When she calls him up and uh, like asks for advice, that was shot afterwards too. Because... Hmm. They realized more and more they needed more George in this movie because he's kind of like the only person in the movie that wants to do the right thing. Uh, he's he's did, kind of. Did they get audience notes back that said "need bread trucks"? <laughs> this movie's loafing around as it is. Put a oh. bread truck in there. Um, so, so like it's actually a strange, an actual example of like test screenings really working because I feel like. With less George, this movie has a very big issue. I mean, issues we've already talked about, but like there, it becomes a, a giant issue because at least with George, it seems like there's someone who's trying to help her do the right thing, and she at least cares about someone who is trying to help her do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like by being friends with George, she becomes more likable. Theoretically, I'll give you that. Um, so. Also, fun little fact regarding that. So, Julie Roberts, going back to 1997 or whatever, had cut her hair short into a little bob cut. You guys remember that? That was after she filmed this movie. And so they was had it for to. Hook? Oh, I bet you it was for. No, Hook's before that. Hook was another uh, weird in between rom coms decision for her. Um, uh, but she cried the entire time filming it, and Steven Spielberg vowed to never work with her again. Yeah, I think we, we talked about that already. Yeah. Um, but she had so she's in that final sequence. She's wearing a wig, not hmm. her real hair. Um, so that's interesting. So Kimmy, let's talk about Kimmy for a minute. I I think so this is pre. Um, there's something about Mary, but post the mask, Cameron mm-hmm. Diaz. She's very good, and she does everything she can with this role. And I feel like she kind of becomes an interesting character in some ways. Because you should, like, you're, you're right away, you're painted to hate her, right? She's some rich girl, some rich, like, Well, theoretically, girl. but then you meet her, and it's like, oh, it's, she's nice? So what yeah. am I... She's, like, just kind of, like, her biggest issue is she's, like, young and rich. And, like, you know, she can't help either of those. Reckless driver. <laughs> she's a bad driver. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you know, the, the two things that she has problems with, she's, you know, even like when, when the scheming starts to have like her dad offer him a job, she really doesn't want to do that. Um, and that sequence in the karaoke sequence, like, I feel so bad for her. Yeah. I think, uh, I do think Cameron Diaz is good overall and in this and does what she can, um, I'm just curious what direction she was getting. I wonder if she was told to, that she was sympathetic or not sympathetic, or I, I would be curious to know about that. I, I kind of want to dive into one thing on this, and then, uh, and that is these sort of romantic comedy tropes. And this is kind of what I mean, where I, I say that I kind of um, respect this movie more 
and I kind of like it more after watching it than I thought I would. There are like certain rom-com tropes that this movie totally does, right? And let me know if there's any I'm missing. But like we have a scene in an airport. You really need that. Every movie seems to have to have a sequence where uh, people are, are love cute or not even a love cute, but just like the couple. Everyone meets. knows the airport is the most romantic place. <laughs> yes. It is weird how often. Yeah. Nothing more romantic than the old airport. Um, you kind of have her when she when they're in the Drake Hotel. Shout out to uh, Men Impossible since the Drake Hotel is such a big part of Mission Impossible 1. Um you have her hanging out in there and like she, like when George shows up she's been eating and drinking so it's kind of that like eating and drinking over your sadness um, it's a disaster of a protagonist right just in a different way but she's sort of a mess in a, in a non-likable way in a yeah. way that's not endearing at all bold move to make your your hero a bad person but but not quite an anti-hero okay so th- I, I agree with you and this is this is kind of like my point is like this movie ends up subverting a lot of tropes. Uh, you have a love triangle, right? You have everyone forgives everyone. You have a protagonist that's a journalist or a writer that seems to ha- like apparently that's the only jobs people have in in rom coms. It's not quite a rom com trope, but it's a '90s early 2000s trope that people who are freelance writers are paid very very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a as a uh, food critic. How many food critics think there are in the U.S.? Uh, every big city has still have, has one. So Milwaukee what is that, like couple. 12, 25? Well, I, I would guess there are a couple hundred, but okay, not a ton. Because even like, so Joe, the Milwaukee food critic, that's all they do? Or like they're also like on the police beat too? Or like what? Well, are you, talk- <laughs> are you talking about now or are you talking about 20 years ago? I, I don't know. Do you think it was a bigger thing 20 years ago? Oh, definitely. I think, oh, 20 years ago, every paper had the budget for a full-time food mm-hmm. critic. And now I would guess, I mean, obviously, you know, your New York Times, LA Times, and probably like the top 10 markets all have a full-time food critic. But, you know, I don't even know if the, like, Star Tribune or was it Milwaukee Sentinel? Yeah, like, Sentinel. I would I guess she's full time, but I mean, yeah, I would guess that they just kind of combine stuff. And it's like, all right, you're food and culture, and so they do like, you know, arts and plays okay. and things like that. We have uh, a couple more tropes here. You have a last chance for romance because that yep, right age of twenty seven, yeah, twenty seven, twenty eight. That's it for her. Yep, uh, her, she's barren. Her her womb is just a, a mothball after that. I mean that's a very much a product of its time too. Like you, yes. like there would be audible laughter in a movie theater if a woman in a film was twenty in her mid to late twenties and thinking loves love in a family is never going to happen for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, another trope is that she falls down a lot from either shock or embarrassment. Yes. Yes. The clumsy. The clumsy like uh, female lead. That's a good one. Um, gay best friend is is one too. Yeah, but uh, is that like? But then, is no, he's not her best friend, though, because uh, Kermit is her best friend or whatever, I guess. But Well, I mean, that's, I think, another thing to say. I think, obviously, he is, though, right? At the end, he clearly is. Like, I, like part of me well, wonders, is he's the is only that... one that she can be honest with. Yeah, and that's kind of what I wonder. Like, the fact that those two dance at the end of the movie at a wedding, 
Is that what's meant by my best friend's wedding, guys? I don't think this movie is smart enough to do that. <laughs> okay. Because we also have, uh, last trope I can think of is an obstacle of a significant other. So Kimmy is someone, you know, she's got to break that up or mess it up. Anything else you guys can think of, uh, common rom-com tropes that, that you think this movie definitely has? Com rom tom tro. Com rom tom tro. Yep. Com trope. I think it was, it's a really 90s thing. Um, maybe not even a 90s thing. Maybe it's just a movie thing. But the examples I can think of off the top of my head that do this all happen to be in the 90s. But sort of a random uh, working class Joe passerby will give them profound life advice when they're at their bottom. In this case, played mm. by the great Paul Giamatti. Yes! yes. <laughs> who is a bellman who um, awkwardly and extremely nicely tries to get her to stop smoking in a hallway, <laughs> in a hotel. <laughs> and uh, she, then she immediately ignores all the sort of subtle advice that he's, the movie is giving her. <laughs> yeah, this must have been one of his first movies. Yeah, I don't know why else he would take that role, but yeah. So, but but once okay, so this is that kind of leads into like some of the things I feel like this movie subverts for the tropes. She doesn't follow that that advice. Um, There's no happy ending in this movie. She doesn't, you know, like she doesn't end up with Kermit. the best friend in this movie often I feel like in rom-coms is like either like a hardcore partier or someone who's just like even more of a mess so that you're kind of like, Oh, look at, you know, it makes the, it makes a protagonist look better because the best friend is such a nightmare. Uh, the best friend here is or the real, I mean, George I'm talking about is actually awesome. The big moment, like the big grand gesture in this movie is at the end when he calls her and talks to her on the phone and they dance. That's really not a romantic thing. It's a friendship thing. Yeah, I. so here's where I think this movie, although it doesn't, there's so much else going on that I think it doesn't really matter. But I do think there's some interesting, like you said, subversion of tropes and that uh, this is the role of, of uh, realizing you're in love with someone and trying to break up a wedding, I feel like that would be the guy role. I feel like that would be the Cary Grant role. Or sure. So I feel like there's a gender switch, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought was, I don't know if this is a subversion or it's just good for the time, but going into this, once I figured out uh, Richard Gere was not in it, <laughs> The only old o- dick gear. The only other thing I knew is that there was a uh, a gay best friend, and I'm like, oh man, this yep. this is gonna be bad. But That's what I thought too. But it's not actually. It's totally fine. Like it's not. It's it's like the only time it's played for laughs is because she puts him in that situation. You know right. what I mean? Like it's, it's not. It's actually there's actually like, I mean I'm talking like script wise. Like there's actually a need for him to be gay. Like it's relevant mm-hmm. to the plot. But other than that, there was there's only one mention of it. I think it's just oh if I if you liked women or something like that in the very beginning. Yeah. So that was a relief. I was I was prepared for some mincing and a lot of lisping and like I was prepared for like Jonathan Van Ness to be in this movie. Or like quite honestly like Birdcage esque. Yeah, but I mean that's I know, yeah. but like that sort of stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. Um now it probably helps that 
uh, Rupert Everett is actually gay as well, so I'd hope he would. He was out at the time of this movie to actually like, <laughs> kind of be like, you know, n- know how to play. Uh, Ama- amazing what happens when you let non- yeah. <laughs> non-straight white guys do things. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, the other subversion is that the, the the great kiss, like the big kiss, isn't a great kiss. It's kind of what makes everyone realize they shouldn't be together. Mm-hmm. So, like. That's what I kind of mean is like by the end of the movie, it sort of like it sets all these tracks to be like w- to kind of turn out a way that you would expect it. And it subverts all that. And, and it's it's much different. And I kind of like it that by the end of the movie, it's not about romance. and It's not about finding, um, you know, the perfect one or the perfect one slipping out of your hands or any of that. It's about like ultimately I think it's about friendship. And I like that. So I like all that in theory, but nothing else in this movie is done well. Well, so that's that's what actually... So, okay, I've kind of gone around on this movie because at first watching it, originally, especially the first 30 minutes, I'm like, what? Like, my notes are just full of just exclamations. Like, they're getting married on Sunday, four-day wedding. She doesn't find out till the week of the wedding. I thought they were best friends. He needs her help? What's going on? <laughs> like, that's a note I have. Um... And, like, the whole, like, it's just absurd. But then it gets to the end, and I kind of end up, like, kind of fall to some extent underneath the spell of everyone in this movie except Carmen McDermott. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then I read more to the movie, and you find out that the whole George stuff was added later, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> if the original ending was just Julie Roberts gets a guy at the end, like, well, I'm sure that that's what she signed on for, and I'm sure she's like, "Oh Christ, no one likes me in these other movies, so I'm, I gotta do another movie where I just I get the guy at the end." Yeah, I mean that could be it, and then just through like, I mean I think the the big thing that this movie has going for it is, as I said, three of those four leads are very good, and and bring a lot, bring a lot to their four to leads. Roles. Oh, I guess I wouldn't call George a lead, but. Okay, yeah, but of the four main characters, I guess. So, I guess, I feel like most of the time, if you have a movie and the ending could go one of two ways and they're totally opposite, I don't feel like that's a great story. (laughs) Like, if you can just, if you have an ending and just be like, well, this guy could die or he couldn't, like, you didn't think this through. Yeah, I. that's my problem with it is that it's all everything that the, the entire way that it ends is is purely just sort of like happenstance like okay so what the, what is the point of that scene on the boat then if if this is where we're all supposed to go in the end is they should all realize that the status quo is what is best but it, the clear implication from that scene on the boat when he talks about how you should say i love you right when you feel it otherwise it can pass you by yeah and then he looks at her, and we're clearly meant to think that he's thinking, I love you. And, and you think she's going to say it. And she's clearly feeling the same thing, but they just, neither one of them actually goes through with it. So then you come out of that scene thinking they do love each other. He wants to say it to her, mm-hmm. but he doesn't because he's like, well, I've already made this decision to marry this other person. She wants yeah. to say it, but she's a, she's insane, so she doesn't <laughs> say it in that moment. So if they would have kissed on that boat, then that's it. They 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 would the marriage would be off, and and they would have in theory been happily ever after together, right? But instead, or, she kisses him later. And if Kimmy hadn't seen and reacted to it, 
then again, would this have ended differently? I think so. So, like, it's all just, it's just all so contrived, and, and, and all these levers are being pulled, but there's no real psychological motivation for any of it, any of the way that the way it ends. Like, do you, there's, I don't think any person comes out of this movie thinking, Kimmy and Michael are going to make it. He's absolutely going to leave yeah. her. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's, he's so easily swayed away from the idea of marrying her and is looking for any excuse not to. Yeah, but he's we, a coward. So in the end, when she does finally leave, then he chases her because he's a coward. And that's what cowardly men do is when also, the other person decides to leave, you chase after them because that's not the way it's supposed to be. We, we also don't forget um, she is 20. <laughs> like, yeah. he is like a 27 year old dude who's like, I'm going to get married to this 20 year old girl in college. And then have her travel around with me as I write for like some sport magazine or something. And he and we all know what happens to the journalist journalism industry after this. So we know he's going to get laid off within the next five to six years. Guaranteed, he works for Barstool Sports now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he writes their uh, divorce dad column on Barstool Sports <laughs> and um, comments on um, cheerleader photos on their blog. It's true. Nothing. Nothing makes me angrier than when movies pretend that uh the kids of rich people are gonna throw their lives away when they literally could not if they tried yeah if we watched happy gilmore and tommy you, boy if you're rich, they can't do it if you're rich enough to own a baseball team <laughs> like, it's like yeah you dad could just buy like dad could just threaten someone and you'd have a four-year degree the next day just like well i mean show. there's a plot point is that they talk him into inventing a job for her her fiance so yeah she's gonna be fine but so but the point is like okay so if we're gonna say that this is a romance like there there needs to be romantic stakes and it's all just the the entire film is propelled by her not them learning that he doesn't love her or her learning that she doesn't love him or that they're not right for each other it's just she's not doesn't say it at the right time that's it yeah, and everything is just explained to you. They don't feel like characters. They're just people who communicate information about their pasts. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a great point. It it is a that they're they do not have traits. Uh here's a question uh uh for you Duff and then slightly different one for you Joe. All right. Uh Duff, who came up to you on your wedding day and told you that they loved you? That you didn't expect. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> and Joe, do you anticipate that happening to you? Definitely in a few not. Weeks? <laughs> no, but I do hope that you guys find a way to quote Antichrist at my wedding, like we did at Duff's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't seem to recall anyone unexpectedly telling me that I love them. Did I'm this... driving to Joe's wedding in a bread truck. Did this happen at your wedding? Did some... no? It happens in this movie, though. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, did it happen at your wedding? Oh. Um, no. Did some <laughs> did some towny girl show up and say that you were the love of her life? <laughs> no, I because I was too far away from the town I grew up in, and they can't get transportation over there. <laughs> <laughs> the ankle bracelet went off when they stepped over. <laughs> went over the county line. They didn't have any spare room in the meth truck to bring it. <laughs> in. Uh, uh, one other thing on I was thinking. And maybe about Michael is when they're talking about his faults, right? And they're like, most of them are like dumb faults, like how he laughs and all this stuff. And then one of them is the cigars in bed. What? He's going to burn the house down. <laughs> like, 
what what kind what kind of like weird personality quirk is that like oh he's all right except he, he smokes you cigars know, in bed well okay i feel like was that a euphemism I, I, maybe from george uh, oh maybe it's a reference uh this was this was pre-clinton i know where you were going with this this was pre-clinton <laughs> scandal it's pretty not too far before it though right a year oh. or two but not to the general public yeah. Um. <laughs> so the guy who wrote this screenplay is Ronald Bass or maybe Ronald Bass. I don't know. Um, he had quite the run uh, around this time. He wrote Rain Man, oh. Oh, another Dangerous Minds, and Waiting to Exhale before doing My Best Friend's Wedding. He loves to write women he- and, and people <laughs> with autism. So basically, uh, he's—he's. He's, I'm assuming he's a white man, because that's pretty much. Well, his name is Ronald Bass. No, no black man wrote Dangerous Minds. Yeah, that's my point. So like, this guy wrote Waiting to Exhale. Yeah. Dangerous Minds. <laughs> how Stella Rain got a groove man back at my best friend's wedding. And how Stella got a groove back. No, he didn't. <laughs> he did. No, he didn't. Come on. <laughs> he did. He did. He really oh did. God. Wow. And he wrote the screenplay for the Joy Luck Club. Yep. He's... So basically they're like, oh, we need to do a movie with ethnics in it. Call Ron. <laughs> he probably did this because there was a gay man in it. They just like, he does this. That's what he does. Bring in Ron. Bring in old Ronald Bass. God, I forgot there was a Dangerous Minds TV show that he also was involved in. <laughs> he is called King of the Pitches. Ooh. That's his nickname. Sounds like Dove's bedtime name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also wrote another Julia Roberts movie, Stepmom, where Oh uh, yeah. Um where Susan Strandon is dying of cancer and Julia Roberts is the mean stepmom or seen as mean. We need Bring someone with a touch for women's the way women think. <laughs> Call Ron. Come on. He wrote uh, Entrap- Entrapment with uh mm-hmm. Catherine Theta Jones, Zeta. Zeta? Zeta. Zeta. Zeta and Sean Connery. She's not a frat. <laughs> there should be a frat called Catherine Theta. Catherine Theta Jones. Uh, I like that idea too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> or a sorority, I guess, would be better. Well, say what you will for old Ron. The guy, <laughs> the, the guy writes hits. He's laughing his way to the bank. Yeah, yeah he is. I, yeah. All right, guys. Uh... <laughs> Do, do either of you have anything else about my best friend's wedding? Uh, uh, well, I, I, I would assume Duff would have some things to say about the music. Uh, the, there is a didn't a hit come out of the soundtrack? You're our soundtrack uh, guy. I didn't do a ton of research beyond that. They really like Burt Bacharach. <laughs> One <laughs> thing I was gonna say is I like the intro. Yes, and me too. Did you, Rob? Did you see who does the lead vocals on that? No, I didn't. It is Ani DeFranco. Really? <laughs> which, That's a very 1997 thing, which, too. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have... I Maybe I would have found it in research, but we started watching My wife's like, oh, Ani DeFranco does the vocals for this. I'm like, really? <laughs> uh, did anyone else, speaking of, uh, of names we might know, did anyone recognize um, Brenda from Six Feet Under in this movie? Uh, no. She's one of the bridesmaids. She's one of the dumb, like, twin bridesmaids. The one that gets her tongue stuck to the uh, David's dick. <laughs> Good, move. dick. Good move, Brenda. <laughs> so, Brenda. 
at so, uh, Barry the, Barry so the I, Kudas. I think that moves us into everyone's favorite long-running segment. Hey, it's 1997. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you guys spot a Masterson? Uh, I did not. I spotted the gigantic cell phone she carried around. Yes. Okay. Um, but uh, it's not Danny Masterson, not not the Raper. No, but, yeah, uh, I did spot him, uh, and I thought it was the Raper, but it's not the Raper. Is nope. he related to the Raper? Yes. Okay. He's uh, brother. Is okay. that the kid? Or the, yeah, the... It's, it's, it's the son of uh, the kid that becomes the best man that's oh. sucking out the helium. Yes. Who okay, the helium thing's funny. When they're singing the song, they're singing that John Denver song. I, I thought that was funny. If yep. no, if for nothing else, it was just such a weird addition. Yeah, so uh yeah, giant cell phone even by standards of the day, I think. I think that cell phone was obscenely large. It it was it was pretty big. And also reference to the big hurt, Frank Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget that. <laughs> now in White most Sox star. Now, uh, now now he's selling testosterone now he's snake helping oil. Men with low T. <laughs> Have yep. you, I love how there are commercials for that where it's basically Frank Thomas cucking some guys. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. That like, a, is... like, like a bunch of women are like, isn't that Frank Thomas? And the dude's like, oh, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, is that one of the most recognizable stars of the late 20th century? <laughs> nah, I'm not sure. And then, Big Hurt's going to become the big squirt. Oh, <laughs> gross. Boy. Uh oh uh another thing is I liked Julia's uh Liam Gallagher ga- glasses that she wore at one point. Yeah, she has like those two pairs of sunglasses she swaps between in the movie. Those are very mid 90s sunglasses. Well, that's a good segue that next week uh we're going to stick with Julia Roberts and uh we have Joe's pick. We're going to talk about conspiracy theory. Being number- doing a lot of research for this one, guys. Yeah, I've I, I've had a very strange uh, selections on my hold shelf at the library a few weeks ago when I started getting ready. <laughs> I'm definitely on some watch lists. We'll just put it that so way. So <laughs> I I know that this is a movie I saw in the theater and I remember absolutely nothing about it. Uh, and I'm sure that 20 some years after the fact, there's going to be a lot more to think about given how <laughs> someone's career has gone. <laughs> yeah, and and sort of the state of the culture today. Uh, also, it'll be interesting to see how his character is treated, given how we know he would be behaving if he was alive now in 2019. But we'll get into that next week, I suppose. All right, well, um, listeners, you should go join our Facebook group. You can at freepodcast.com slash freeloaders. Uh, you can go to iTunes and write us a review. That makes me happy. And uh, we're on Twitter as well at a free podcast and uh, Facebook, same thing. And we'll be back next week with our third episode of season three, talking about none other than Mel Gibson's own conspiracy theory. <laughs>